0: Hang on, i got to do my... To oh,
1: it's not showing it here, though. It's not showing it on, on the studio screen.
0: Yeah, that's strange. Um, okay. Uh, let me do this. <laughs> this This is All About, about wine. wine, a talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. <sighs> Featuring winemaker, <sighs> cellar master, <laughs> vineyardist, and tasting wine. expert, Ron.
1: I what we're trying <sighs> to do on the program. It's just trying to
0: analyze on the, the air. less confusing and more friendly. Yeah. From coast it's to way coast up. and around the world.
1: You know, we really have had some some yeah. neat people on the program. I, I just I love that.
0: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine btr and now all about wine is on here's ron okay.
1: yep Thanks, the one bus and only. thank you thank you busby
0: they're going quiet tonight you know the audio you seem mm. to be you can hear a it on your end. Up there.
1: i can hear it yes yeah
0: it is good all right. last week we couldn't so yeah we're Back in business the way it should be. It is. The way it should be. I don't well, know. My phone that our, says it's 7.01. Yeah. yeah but it says
1: 701, it, so it be, mine says 7.01 uh, also, but we just,
0: hmm.
1: you
0: know, I, I don't I know. I think the timer on the our, upper left corner of the studio is off.
1: Yeah. It's off so, uh, there. We have this nice little British <laughs> girl that tells us what's going on, so we don't have to pay attention to mm-hmm. the time. And for some reason, yeah. she jumped in there and a minute ahead during the countdown and confused us lots.
0: You're sitting there watching our our clocks, and it says, oh, two minutes. And she goes, your show will start in one. It's like, wait, no. No. Give us two minutes. No, no. That's That's not
1: right. That's not
0: right.
1: (laughs) So, so, but here we
0: are. (laughs) Yep. Your show was going on.
1: We are. welcome mm-hmm. to another episode of all about wine on blog talk radio. It is November the 11th, 2021. Uh, so if you have any questions or anything, you can always go in and message us through Facebook on the, uh, um, all about wine BTR app. I guess that's the, the way.
0: Uh, in, uh, on BTR on the show page for this show, there's a chat link there. It opens up a okay. box, and you can chat with us on that. Um, if you're watching or listening on YouTube or on the Facebook page, you can uh, just comment there, and we'll get it here during the live show. If it's
1: and if you're any not other time of the yeah
0: no. <laughs> yeah yeah, not, other time, not live. It. Yeah. right.
1: And we're going to start out wishing all veterans out there happy Veterans Day. Thank you so much for your service and for your sacrifices and everything that you put into it. Uh, and, you know, I'm, everybody says thank you for your service and your sacrifice. There's other things to it, too, emotional things. I mean, the number of Dear John letters that were sent out during military service and stuff like that, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. And there's also, I had an opportunity during the Gulf War. Gulf War? No, Afghanistan. No, Iraq. When a couple of young men were employed over in Iraq, and their wives came into the winery. And we were talking, and I said, boy, it must be really nice to be able to talk time with your your husbands over there and be able to do it then. I said, when I was in Vietnam, I said, we had nothing but letters. There was no correspondence. We were were lucky if we were able to get a phone call across the ocean. I mean, it was rare that we were able to even call home. And when we did, it was usually to say hi to our parents and not to girlfriends. And I wasn't married, so no spouse. But one of the girls said, yeah. She said, but you don't get the emotion with the facebook and or with facetime and uh zoom and stuff like that she said the emotion doesn't come through you you feed off of people's emotions when you talk to them she said and it really is weird because it, you, you tend to lose a connection and i never thought about that i guess and when you're talking to someone like that and they're going to be gone for a year and it's going to give you a different vibes if you will than uh, if you're face to face and stuff like that so it's a rough situation i mean whenever any family member is deployed it's rough no matter what so even if you do have zoom or facetime or anything it's it's still rough so it's another sacrifice that uh, soldiers make and be it male or female and plus all the other stuff that comes with it so again uh, all of our veterans out there, thank you very much. There's a lot of freebie stuff going on today for veterans. Uh, if you can look it up, the VA sites have a list of it. If it's Well, it's getting late, but VA sites have a list of all the freebie stuff out there, so you can check it out. And uh, enjoy the day, and thank you for your service. I always wondered what type of response to give. People would say, thank you for your service. And I would say, uh, well, you're welcome, which seemed like a, a weird response to me. But then I had an old vet tell me, when someone thanks you for your service, then the best response might be, thank you for your support. And I love that response. Mm-hmm. So, any of you vets out there who are thanked for your service, you can always respond with "Thank you for your support," because you know them thanking you is supporting you. Unlike mm-hmm. so many times, you know, as a as a Vietnam vet, I'll tell you what, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of support when I got back from Vietnam. I, we were labeled baby killers and all sorts of stuff. So, it it was rough for. Mm-hmm. Vietnam vets, and so whenever people want to give you the support, that's great, so as of it, then thank you for your support, I think might be a very good response to a thank you for your service, but nothing, my uh, my editorializing, thanks guys and gals for what you put into it, and we will go on from there, got a few things to talk about tonight, nothing Nothing earth-shattering, nothing important. Just a bunch of stuff that I've come across over the past week or so that I'm just going to pass on to you. There's uh, different things that I've found. I've saved some of it. other stuff. I'm just going to uh, look at it when I find it here. Let me see if I can start out with anything that I've found. Let's see. Now, this is the page I want. Uh, no, this isn't. Or is it? Well, no. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to put up with me looking at stuff tonight and trying to figure out if that's what I want to talk about to you or not. And if it is, then I will... Read it and go, yeah, like right then, there's a little pause right then with me trying to figure out what was going on. So let me find what I'm, some of the things that I saved here, some of the things that I have looked at that I want to talk to you about. Here, this is something I'm going to talk Massive change proposed for Champagne region. This is uh, a new plan is going to cut the densities of the planting. Uh, one of the biggest changes uh, that the Appalachian has ever had, the Champaign Appalachian, uh, lowering the number of vines per hectare. Uh, this is to create a better quality, so they say the quest for lower density began about 35 years ago uh, under the pressure from what Hennessy, which is now no longer more at Hennessy is now called LVMH. Um, I, I don't know what the LV stands for, MH, obviously more at Hennessy, but they have been trying to cut down on the density of the vineyards uh, for a number of years now, many years ago uh, now, and it's finally starting to take effect. The uh, it, uh, vine training system that divides the canopy horizontally into two curtains for pointing shoots is called the LER system, named after the trellising system named after I'm sure the musical instrument, the lier. And with the distance between the rows of three to four meters. It it says that this system would not be economically feasible in Champaign. And in 1995, a single curtain alternative was added to the test. And here the rows were planted 2.2 meters apart, so the density is greater. The old system created 2,700 to 3,000 vines per hectare, and this one jumps it up to 3,800 and they, uh, at the beginning of 2000, the lyric system, despite what it could do, was replaced by the new system. Uh, but it is looking at a new approach to this now—a a even less dense approach than what they're doing now, and cutting it back to the less. So. If that's the case, they're going to. It's not going to do any, It's going to increase quality. Is what it's ultimately they're hoping it's going to do. Cut back to less grape per acre, which is should increase quality on the vines themselves. So, uh, the Pinot Noir, Mauvain, and Chardonnay are the vines that are most always used for Champagne. And these are the ones that they're looking at doing now. There are some vineyards that, whoops, what happened here?
0: Oh, geez. Uh,
1: Some vineyards, well, I lost my article. Some vineyards are already at that density and some are not. And so they're making it lost Again, champagne laws because they're so fond of doing all that stuff over there, making champagne region laws and stuff around the world that to do it. So as that develops, as that comes out, I will keep you informed. And there's more i was going to tell you, but I can't find where the article was. Oh, I hate it when I do that. Well, so so much for that then. I get the San Francisco Chronicle because there's so many articles about the wine regions, Napa's and all that, and I get a couple other smaller papers in Napa. Uh, Napa has a small paper that comes out, and I get that weekly uh, email. And the San Francisco Chronicles out. But in last Sunday's San Francisco Chronicle, they had an exclusive offer for sale in Sonoma. And this is, in fact, I'll try to put this over on the Facebook page. I should be able to. Yeah, uh, So that you see the videos and all the stuff on this. But this is, uh, I used to talk about real estate all the time. And then the source of that real estate that I was getting, I no longer receive it. So I stopped doing that. But this is in Sonoma. And let me run through this quickly with you. Uh, It's an oasis comprised of six fully usable acres, including an active farm, a modern barn-style home, and uh, it's a short mile from historic Sonoma Square. It's called Sonoma Broadway Farms, and, and that's what it's known as. It's the mecca of entertaining, relaxing, and living in a wine country dream, and it is a turnkey investment opportunity for you now you can watch the sunrise over the golden sonoma hills uh they've got an outdoor yoga studio uh afternoons can be spent um by the side-by-side bocce that's how it's pronounced b-o-c-c-e bocce ball courts uh, you can sip your own wine growing on your own estate with your own label There is biking to the square, uh, so you can jump on a bike, there's bikes for rent, there is uh, harvesting your own food from your large garden, there's a state-of-the-art kitchen that is located under a 40-foot vaulted ceiling. And for those special occasions, there's a network of professional chefs who have prepared meals for hundreds of past visitors, and they are on the list, ready to come out and prepare it again if so needed, or and uh, any other uh, type of uh, chef, not just, uh, well, dessert chef and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you can grab a blanket and cozy up by the fire pit that is located there. It has gotten dozens of five-star reviews. uh, And it's uh, also a lengthy book of businesses, phenomenal on-demand staff to manage everything for you. And it will also create a space for renting that you can just rent out sections of it and get a constant income and just let life take care of itself around you with that once in a lifetime opportunity it uh they have wow 111 photos showing the whole uh property and everything here there is also a almost four minute video showing the property uh, the residence itself the floor plan itself for the residence is what 3244 square foot residence there is a bunk barn uh, and an entertainment space that's right next door to it. It has a vineyard, active farm, vocal course, yoga studio, garden barn, gardens, orchards, greenhouse, solar panels, well, entertainment courtyard, fire pit, uh, pool, uh, prime build site. So I don't know if it has a pool in it or not a bunk barn, outdoor shower, bikes. It's uh, furnished, property management services, rental potential, event space, agricultural zoning, high ceiling, chef's kitchen, indoor-outdoor living, quiet and private, prime location, and a big parking lot. And, it, like I say, it's just a short bike ride, literally a very short bike ride from uh, the town of Sonoma. And you can have all this for the... Well, this is four bedrooms, three full baths, one half bath on six point oh one acres for only six million four hundred and seventy five thousand, which is really, really cheap because I'm looking at houses in California, and uh, you know i it just you you can't find anything for less than a million. It's just unbelievable in the San Francisco area houses. Unless you get outside of the San Francisco area, you can go to places like Warner Creek or Livermore and stuff like that. But your commute is going to have to be on the train going in, the BART train. And if you want to live in San Francisco, then everything starts at a million dollars on up from there. So when you start looking at a 6.475, it's a great price. So there you go. I'll see if I can't get this posted on our Facebook page and I say I'll see if I can't get this posted because I am not noted for my abilities to be able to do this stuff very easily let's see it shows the Facebook there so I might be able to do it easier than I thought but uh, it's just a fascinating property I saw this i went, oh wow oh wow and it's been there I've seen it for like three weeks in a row now so it's not like it's immediately selling but it's just really fun to look at it, look at all the stuff that's offered on it and everything else. Uh, listed by Blakely Hall team. So, uh, Blakely Hall. Blakely, I guess, is the girl's name. Uh, is the realtor's name, Blakely. It's Blakely Hall. Uh, so, there you go. I, I've been saving that one wanted to, to tell you about it. So, I got it and I'll throw it up on Facebook so you can enjoy that. We had a guest on. I don't know how long ago. In fact, Mike and I were talking about it just before the show, and I forgot to ask him when it was on because he's usually pretty good about finding the dates. But we had a guest on about having wine futures, about what it was all about, and investing in Wine Futures. Interesting guess. If you have extra money, then Wine Futures would be a good way to go. Something came in. Uh, Wine Futures would be a good way to do it. But uh, I I get the emails on it because I want to... Not that I have a whole lot of money for Wine Futures. It's just that I want to pass information on to you. And the latest email is is that uh, last couple of weeks besides just being football season tailgate season and the corn mazes out there and the apple picking and cool temperatures he said the wine market has really started to pick up he said it's amazing how much it has picked up vinovest 100 these are the top 100 wines that are out there that are uh, available for for you to you know, put futures on. But Vinovest one hundred over the uh year to date has went up fifteen point oh six percent. Nothing out there you can get at fifteen percent. I there, no matter what you do, there's nothing you're gonna get at fifteen per okay, maybe bitcoins or something, but that's awful risky. But Vinovest I suppose is too but not as risky as Bitcoins. But fifteen point oh six. The S and P five hundred over the same period, is up about 15.06%. The FTSE 100, only 3.01%. Gold is up 8.71%. Bitcoin, and like I just said, that, that is the big one. That's up 302.75%. Um, the VGSLX, whatever market that is, is up 640 and the nasdaq is up a lot at 31.29 so these are yearly yearly projections so vinavess is one of the better better investments right now uh in getting something in the luxury line if you're going to do fine wine and it's from june 2020 to june 2021 fine wine has went up 13% Watches, luxury watches, 5%. Classic cars is only went up 4%. But if you're into blue chip art, that dropped 2%. And Hermes Handbag, I guess I'm saying that right. I'm not familiar. But uh, that's dropped 3%. And Rare Whiskey, if you're collector, uh collector of those. I have a nephew that's whiskeys and rare whiskeys, and that's dropped 4%. So, to echo his sentiments on when he was on the show about how it is really a good investment, it looks like from this here, uh, Italian wines are another one that's really exploding now this article goes on to say how much italian wines are in demand in demand especially fine italian wine so this is becoming a great great market and then uh there's a little thing here well i'll read that in a minute a little thing here uh the united states is the largest most profitable market for wine beer and spirits producers but it's far from perfect. The industries have a lot of consolidation and fragmentation which separate tiers for production, distribution, and retail. The president is poised to shake up the whole system. In July, he signed another one of his executive orders to analyze market access for smaller, independent, and new businesses into various industries, including fine wine. The order will also examine the effects of consolidating alcohol production, distribution, and retailing in the United States. Findings for the order are due within the next two months. So by the end of the year, we'll find out what's going on with that. And what does this mean for the wine producers? Smaller brands should have a more level playing field against their big-name counterparts. It appears, uh, president appears to set An increasing competition and dismantling the archaic three-tier system in order to increase consumer choice. That would be phenomenal if that really happens. I I just, you know, the three-tier system, in my opinion, is so archaic. It needs to be revamped. It needs to be changed. That's part of the reason some of the prices that you pay for some of the stuff is what it is because the three-tier system has created... Uh, more expense in purchasing wines than it really should in some areas. So maybe this might be a step in the right direction. Uh, let's hope so. Let's hope something really does become substantial out of this because the three-tier system, I, I am not a fan. Owning a small winery is, a, a, you can't use a three-tier system and get anything done. When I had the winery, we had all the license. We had a distributor's license, we had a manufacturer's license, and we had a retail license, which is unusual. And But we were able to get all three of them, and they were all legal, and we kept up with them. our paid our paid fees every year and all that. We kept them. Much to the dismay of... Southern Wine and Spirits, Uh, they knew we had all three licenses, and they weren't thrilled. And they tried to stop us a couple of times, but uh, it was ruled that there's nothing they can do about it. We were in good standings, and so therefore we were able to keep them, which didn't do us a lot of good all the time. But it was a, a good thing to have because if we had to go through Southern Wine and Spirits, which is the big one here in the southeast, they put something in a store. If it wasn't selling for what they thought it would, or in the time they thought it would, they would reduce the price and sell it for whatever they wanted to. And that would just nothing we could do about it. We say we want fifteen dollars for this bottle. They would put it on the shelf for seventeen. It wouldn't sell for seventeen. They dropped it to fifteen. They dropped it to ten. They drop it in the bargain basket for six. And then they'd send us. Uh, a percentage of that and say, here, that's what you get. And there's nothing we could do. We were just grateful we got anything out of it. And so as our own distributor, if it wasn't selling, we can always do our own bargaining or pull it off the shelf. But the three-chair system, you have to go through a distributor most of the time. And that's one of the things that most small wineries and small breweries and small uh, distilleries hate because they lose a lot of their money on their sales on that. But it looks like something might happen. Haven't heard anything else. This I'll have to check further on that and see if I can't find anything of what happened uh, to that executive order that he signed there. A bottle of 2000 Chateau Monton Rothschild Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is a big bottle um, right off the top of my head. I should have looked this up before I started talking to you about it. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I think, is, I want to say 13 bottles, 14 bottles, regular 750 milliliter. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, Okay, here it is. It's 15 liter. Nebuchadnezzar is 15 liter. So uh, 750 milliliter out of that. So it's more than that. So it's about 20, uh, 750 milliliters, 21. So Nebuchadnezzar went up for auction, 2000 Chateau to Rothschild in Hong Kong. And by the time that it was sold, uh, the winning bid set a new world record. That fifteen liter bottle sold for a uh, Hong Kong price and it went up in Hong Kong, so it sold for Hong Kong dollars of one million ninety one thousand two hundred, which is equivalent to u s dollars of one hundred and forty thousand two hundred dollars and this beat the previous records of one hundred and eighteen thousand thirty five dollars so Big difference, 118,000 old records, 140,200 new records. 140, record. So, wow. Uh, it's uh, – I guess there's people with money out there after all. Uh, can you imagine Imagine that much for one bottle of wine? Jeez, it just makes makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Um, there's another there's an article here. I'm not going to read you all this. It's an article here talking about the 10 most expensive wines, uh, red and white. It tells you why they're expensive, which is something that I am going to talk to you about a little bit. Um, I think if this lets me do it. Grapes and vintages. These are a big part of it. Uh, this is one of the big things that calls the prices of the vineyard where the grape is harvested matters. And that affects the taste and the ageability of the wine. And the vintage is a lot to do with it because if it were a good year, it's going to be able to age even better. So all these, this is the most important thing, the grapes and vintages. Next thing that's going to help a wine sell is the age. Wines that can age for decades in the bottle and improve in the taste over that time. Are going to demand more money. Then the novelty, and this is something you you probably don't think of, but the unique packaging—it's uh, has a lot to do with it. And I attended a class once for uh, at the uh, University of Florida, and the person—I'm and I'm, I'm horrible in names. The person taught it was uh, very knowledgeable wine person, and he said, what is the biggest thing that contributes to this expense of expensive bottles of wine? And people were throwing out all this stuff and all that. And he said, no, he said, the biggest single thing is hype. It's the hype behind it. He said, sometimes the wines are not. As good as what you expect or think, but the hype has made it more expensive just because it, the name behind it or the, the novelty or stuff like that, which it's always stuck with me. And you know, whenever I look at stuff and uh, on wine, I'm thinking, well, yeah, it does have an effect. I've tasted some wines that were very, very expensive and they were good, but the hype created more of a cost than those. Another thing here on this list that tells you is brand. Well-known brands that have been around for a long time uh, and have consistently made good quality wines will command a higher price. Prestige, and that's hype. They, They have prestige listed here, which basically is hype. The more prestige the brand is, the more attention it gets at auctions, and therefore the higher the price will be. And the critics' ratings. You get people like Robert Parker and James Huffing. given the wine a high score. It's going to create a higher price. And by a lot, really, it's, you know, both of them give it. And then handling. And this is something that you really have to look at on any wine that you're going to purchase. If you're spending a little bit of money on it, you need to know the origins. And uh, the the storage history and w- what it's doing and how it's traveling and all that stuff that's very 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 important that can make a difference between a bottle costing two hundred dollars and a wine that's ten thousand and I'm serious it just if a wine is not handled properly even the best in the whole wide world can be treated poorly and turn bad. And so, therefore, that's why it's so important to know a history of a wine. And when you go to through reputable dealers, it's important to know that they are handling it right. And even in your local liquor store, when you go into your local wine shop or something like that, they should have an understanding of the chain of handling. And (laughs) I don't know... And I've wondered more than on a few occasions since all these ships are setting in ports around the world, especially outside of LA and San Diego and, and West coast ports. Is there any wine shipments in those? I, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's wine in those containers sitting out there in the ocean and that can't be good for them. I'm sure those are not in refrigerated uh, containers. Refrigerated, um, oh, what's the big metal container? I can't think of what they're called right offhand. But they're just set there on top of the ships, and that's it. So this is going to affect it, too, if they're setting around out in heat or things like this. So. It makes, all makes a big difference. I not I, I've got a story for you. I don't know if I've ever told you this story or not, but I got a story for you. We ordered Florida State Wine. ordered a container of wine from a wine venue in South America, the Venus San Esteban. Went down, talked to him, saw him, tasted the wines, loved it, worked out a deal. And ordered a uh, shipping container full. These type of shipping containers you see on ships. I mean, that's just what we got. We got one of those full. And we got a good price. And we ordered a Sauvignon Blanc. We ordered a Chardonnay, a Merlot, a Cabernet Sauvignon, and a Carmenere. And almost equal amounts of each of those. We worked with a importer in Miami because the shipment came from South America through the Panama Canal and up into Miami. And it was I don't want to say it was climate controlled the whole way, but it it, it wasn't real real hot when we ordered it when it was shipped to us. Well it got to Miami and they called us and said that it was going, it was in Miami and it should be shipped out the next day, which was great. I mean, we were we were looking for it. And they were going to put it on the truck and bring it up to us and, you know, dump it off so we would have time to unload it. We didn't have to unload it while the truck was sitting there because that would have been almost impossible because it wasn't on pallets and we didn't have a a forklift anyway. So... We were expecting to get it. They called us on a Wednesday afternoon and said it should go out the next day. And from Miami to the winery, one day, they could have traveled up there. We got a call on Friday when it should have been there from the shipping um, company. And they said, this has been flagged. Homeland Security wants to check this container. We well, says, okay, but it needs to be up here. We don't want the thing sitting on the hot docks in Miami. And it was it was warm there. I mean we are in Florida all the time. We said we don't want this setting on the hot docks in Miami too long. We need to get that wine up here. They said, Well, Homeland Security flagged it and they're gonna have to check it before they release it. And we asked how long. They said, usually it takes two or three days for Homeland Security to get around to something after they flagged it. We told them, keep us informed. Well, five days later, we still haven't heard from them. We called and we said, what's going on? They said, Homeland Security has not checked it yet. A week later, and this was on, we got the notice on a Friday afternoon, a week later, the following Friday, we got a call stating that Homeland Security has said they would be by on Monday. So that was, you know, 10, 11 days that that had been sitting on docks in Miami full of wine for us. Finally on Monday morning, they called and they said, it's being shipped today, you should have it this afternoon. So about 5 o'clock that afternoon, we truck pulls in and drops off the container for us and pulls away and We break the Homeland Security seal on the back of the container because they had broken the original seal and put on their Homeland Security seal. And we open up the doors, and the wine boxes were stacked to the door. I mean, completely against the door. And we climb up on top and look around, and there was one box that was torn open, and one bottle that was taken out and put back in the opposite way. And that was it. That was their inspection. And it also cost us $500. We got a bill from Homeland Security for inspection for of the uh, cargo from Homeland Security for $500. And literally, all they did was look at one bottle and pass it on through. It took them 10, 11 days to do that. It cost us $500 for them to do that. And it sat on the docks in Miami for that period of time. You can imagine my opinion of Homeland Security after that incident. I mean, okay. So you want money, but don't do it that way. All right. If you want to bleed businesses, don't do that. That's that's going to destroy the wine and do all sorts of stuff. But that's what happened. That's my story about you know shipping and homeland security and stuff like that. That's uh, a story I will I share every once in a while with people if they wanna. Talk about homeland security. Most expensive red wines this past year: 2015 Domaine Leroy Musigny Grand Cru. Uh, s- price for a bottle of it in France costs one hundred one thousand two hundred and sixteen two hundred and sixty dollars. And they describe it in all their great spectacular names and things that they say, you know, a, a wine with aromas of raspberry, rose, sherry, spice, and all sorts of stuff, as they always do on these things. But uh one hundred and one thousand. A nineteen thirty seven Domain de la romane Conti, Romane Conte Grand Cru. Another French wine. Nineteen thirty seven bottle though. Sold for $73,228 this last year. A 2015... Excuse me. 2015, Domaine George and Christopher Remue-Mussingy, I guess it's pronounced, Grand Cru, uh, from France, $20,829. Most expensive whites from this past year. A 1992 Domaine Lasley Montrachet Grand Cru 14,100. That's you're looking at a Chardonnay there. That's a Chardonnay. Uh, another Chardonnay, a 2007 Leroy Domaine Albinet Chevalier Montrachet Grand Cru is $12,765. And a third, Romane Conti Montrachet Grand Coup Domaine de la Romane Conti went for $10,911. So these is a lot of money for a bottle of wine. A 1996 Dom Perion Rose Gold $56,679. A 2002 Louis Rodure Crystal Gold Medallion Orfevrees, orf, Limited Edition Brut Champagne, $4,938. And you have an Armand de Brignac Ace of Spades Collection, $3,559, all champagnes. Then we got some sweet wines here that went for way too much money. A Tokay Limited Edition 2008 sold for $40,000. A 59 Egon Muller Tokken Baron sold for $27,346. And a WNJ Graham Neobli Tawny Port went for $8,239. Um, then they have Eight wines that exceeded expectations at auction. I'm not going to go through all of those. Just suffice it to say people have more money than they know what to do with, in my opinion, when they start spending that much money on a bottle of wine. I think a lot of the times what they will do is they will have themselves a party and invite all their very rich friends and say, okay, I'm going to be pouring three-ounce drinks of this. It's going to cost you $5,000 if you want to try this. The one and only chance you're ever going to, and I'm sorry, I've been saying this year, this is all-time highs on this. This and this and this year, this is all-time highs on these. Um, but they have parties and they invite people over and they say, okay, five thousand dollars for four or five ounce pour, and you know, five thousand dollars are five thousand whatever price they charge, they divide it up and all that, it's going to be a lot cheaper and they'll never find another bottle like that again in the rest of their life. So they might just, you know, the people say, okay, that will be a good opportunity to try that and not have to spend $168,000 or, you know, $304,000 or whatever to buy that bottle. We can get it for this price and still taste it. And that's guarantee you not one you're going to scroll and spit. That's what you're going to drink, and so uh, there's some expensive, some of the most expensive wines uh, ever sold there. And let's see, uh, is oh I'm not. I'm going to put that away, and I want to go
0: to my next one here, which what do you have a quick. Question if you can take one here, yeah about it, okay, uh Carolyn's asking off of Facebook, do they taste any better than my ten dollar bottle?
1: Yes, in a word, yes, yes, they will So it is they
0: nice. you know,
1: I, they, they will you'll you'll notice the difference, and you don't in and this is something I used to say at the winery when people came in and they would ask basically the same question. Is there a difference between my ten dollar bottle of wine and a you know six hundred dollars bottle of wine? Yes, there is. Just like there's a difference between getting a hamburger at McDonald's for a dollar twenty five and getting one at uh for uh, where Denny's for eleven ninety five. They're both hamburgers, but well, I'll tell you what, you can tell the difference. Okay, and that's the same thing with that, uh, with wine. You can tell the difference. I've had wine, and this I, I always use this as a comparison. I've had wine that has cost, the most expensive i ever had, cost $900 a bottle. And I, it wasn't one I bought. It was one of those where a group of us shared it and and it was phenomenal. It was really, really good. You can tell that it was quality there. But I've also had wines that cost $400 a bottle, and that was very good, too. And the difference between that 400 and that 900 was subtle. You could barely tell the difference in the two, but the quality of the 900 was definitely there over that $400 bottle. But when you're having a bottle that costs ten dollars and you jump up to one that costs a hundred, you're gonna see a big, big difference there. Big, big difference. Then when you go from that hundred on up to thousands, the difference is subtle. It's gonna be a taste. You're gonna you're gonna sip it and you're gonna say, This is really, really good. But you're going to say how's it good oh it's just it's just really good, and you'll you'll know it's good, you'll know the quality there, but to be able to pinpoint it, and especially you don't have to use all these words that the uh, these wine tasters use because I think half the time they're not really sure what they're talking about anyway, but there's going to be a difference there, so in a word, yes, that ten dollar bottle that you buy and that hundred dollar bottle or that $1,000 or that $5,000, there's going to be a difference. Just like there's a difference between uh, you sit down at a meal at, uh, well, I use Denny's. Let's use Denny's again. You sit down at a meal at Denny's, and then you go into a five-star restaurant. You order the same meal. It's going to cost you a lot more, but, boy, you can really tell the difference because it's going to be premium ingredients. It's going to be prepared the way it's supposed to be prepared, and everything's going to be just how it should be. And you'll notice the difference in the taste and the flavors and everything, just like the wines. So a little bit more of an answer than you probably expected there, but yes, it is going to be noticeable. You will be able to tell the difference.
0: So, All right. Thank you for the question. Yeah. And if you have yeah. any other questions or anything, uh, bring them on, uh, you know, bring them to the show and we'll we'll try and answer them on the, on the air for sure. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, it's just it's and, and people used to ask that all the time at the winery, you know, is it really worth it? Is the wine truly worth it? Yeah, it is. You can you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference. You know, it's not like, well, people say, well, I don't have a sophisticated palate. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, you can. You don't need a sophisticated palate to know quality. You know, it doesn't, doesn't require that. It doesn't require a sophisticated palate to be able to notice something is better than something else. So, and the same thing with wine. Okay, let's go back to Vino Vest again and Anthony Zhang, who's the one that contacts me. Uh, there is a new mobile app for Vinovest. Uh, you can—it's uh, uh, the world's most coveted wines at your fingertips, and it's a, uh, a portfolio access anytime update on wine valuations based on the millions on millions of data points, exclusive investment opportunities, and uh, it's. Uh, Powerful mobile app makes it easier than ever to manage a wine portfolio, and it's 100% free. You can get into it, and you can check wines in it, and you can look at stuff, prices, and different things. It's 100% free. You can get it to the Apple uh, Store or through uh, Google Play, and go to Vinovest, V-I-N-O-V-E-S-T, in those stores, and find it. You can download it there. So uh, that just came out. Actually, that just came out a couple of days ago. Uh, that new app there. Okay. Now let me let me go to a couple others. Oh, jeez, I'm talking more than I thought I would about some of this stuff. Uh, restaurants are opening all over the place. Napa restaurants opening, big city restaurants opening. One of the things that a lot of restaurants did when they closed throughout 2020 is to sell off their wines. And you you can't blame them because some of these wines were doing them no good sitting on the shelf. They usually move the product around and have it rotate by sales And here it was sitting on the shelf, not doing anything. They couldn't have customers in. Uh, There's a lot of places in New York City that uh, sold their wine. They did it in auctions. They put it in papers and sold it. They offered it in all sorts of different venues, and they emptied out their shelves. Now that they're opening up, they don't have wine. So they are restocking. One of the things that this is creating is a great opportunity for sommeliers and all of these different restaurants and all these different type of venues to restock and to get new wines in and to get different wines in. And this is what they're doing. And I say different wines. A lot of them are creating wine lists that are different than what they previously were. Uh, they are looking at different ones that they have discovered over the time that they weren't open, and they are starting to bring back some of them that sold, but they are not on some of them that they have found over the years that was not a big seller. And so they are changing their outlook on it. For example, Tribeca Grill um, didn't sell its 2000 selection seller and it's relying on its existing inventory, but they are more focused on filling specific holes in the list that they don't have anymore. So they're developing new categories and they're going for different styles of wines. And they're looking at some, thing, some things that are have not been on the list that are different. And they're not the only ones. There's a lot of restaurants throughout the country that are doing that. They're jumping up their total of certain wines, Cabernets, and Pinot Noirs from California uh, are, have always been a good category, good selection, and some of them are filling in more on that. Uh, one market in San Francisco, uh, Sommier there, the wine director, Tanya Pitts, has went from 900 wines down to 600, and more of a focus on seasonality than on just old wines that have been around and that cost a lot more. And this is what's happening in the business all the way around, Uh, not just in New York, but also here's one in Austin, Texas that they're acknowledging that there's uh, aren't many wineries owned or operated by internationally uh, by intentionally ignored communities and so therefore they want to bring in more diversity to their wine list and let people try wines that they would normally not. In fact our guest last week, AJ was a good example of that in his uh wine restaurant he said that he had a whole bunch of different types of wines that you couldn't find anywhere else and this article here is saying it's happening everywhere they're starting to bring in some wines and let people make a, a personal decision on what they would like to do instead of saying okay we have this cab we have this merlot we have this chardonnay and we have this riesling. and which one of these do you want and what price range, they're saying, okay, we have all these different wines that are available. Would you like to try something from Israel or would you like to try something from uh, Estonia or any number of other places that are making wine and it is working? So far, since restaurants and everything have opened up and they're doing this, they said it's working. They are doing some great sales. People are enjoying the diversity. And it is something that it looks like it might continue. The trend might continue after, uh, not just when they start up, but continue for some time. Okay. Texas wine, a booming industry with Central Texas doing the most. They're really selling a lot of wines in Central Texas. Uh, Austin. Uh, Four years ago, in 2017, uh, well, Texas, four years ago in 2017, had 352 wineries. Now, just four years later, and you even look at the fact that it went through 2020 when things didn't rise. Now, Texas has 547 wineries. Wow. Uh, The state's wine industry brought more than $13 billion into the economy in 2017 and created $600,000 worth of jobs. And it's exploded since then. Central Texas seems to be the big area that's doing it more than anything. Uh, when it started out, Texas had about 35 wineries in the whole state. And now, like I say, they've got... Uh, uh, Over five about 550 wineries there. And Texas is also growing most of their own grapes. This is something else that they have been doing. Point where they can't keep up with the demand. Uh something that's still an ongoing problem in not just Texas, but many states. They can't keep up with the demand within their state. This is why you go down to the store, if you live anywhere than Texas... Or around Texas you say I would like a Texas wine you're not going to find one because just about everything that's produced in Texas is sold and drunk in Texas same thing with just about every other state in the nation it's really difficult to find a lot of different wines from different states unless you're in that state or right next to it Uh, it's just amazing and with the 2020 being such a odd, strange, unusual year, it has created a different type of dynamic for grapes and wineries and everything within their own areas. So um, Missouri, I know, has really increased a lot of their wineries uh, over the last couple of years, and. Covid is one of the reasons they've increased, which seems odd, but people have been locked in It's given wineries time to get their grapes growing, get wine on the shelf and get into the into the groove if you will, with wineries instead of battling it they just everything has been able to family operated wineries have been able to do it themselves so Texas is uh Doing quite well. Not that they produce better wines than anybody else, although let me tell you, some of the Texan wines from the hill country is phenomenal. Uh, they do some great wines there, but uh, the uh, Texas is, is has a great year this past year, and it's booming, especially on central Texas and the hill country and stuff like that. So... Get a chance to try any Texas wines. I highly recommend it. Is there's, there's some some really phenomenal wines coming out of Texas? Uh, their cabs are are just really really good. So, uh, and uh, let's see. A truck trips so tips over. North Carolina. You say okay. So who cares if a truck tripped over? And, but. It was full of wine. Oh, no. Oh, yes. It had uh, a tractor-trailer carrying dozens of boxes of wine turned over, uh, littering a North Carolina road. This was Monday? Yeah, this was Monday, just this last Monday. Uh, littering a road with uh, broken glass and wine and all that. Uh there was boxes, green glass, red labels all over the road. Uh, the truck was traveling northbound on U.S. 421 in Winston Salem, which is in North Carolina. It tipped over. Uh, the driver had some minor injuries, but he didn't go to the hospital. And they. Uh, uh, <laughs> looking at pictures here, uh, no other vehicles were in the accident, and it took them several hours to clean up the mess uh, between sweeping it up and spraying it down and all that. So it, it brings a tear to the eye, doesn't it, that wine is wasted like that and over the street. So, And one other thing, too, uh I don't know if you all heard, but a, a tragic, tragic thing. A truck hit another truck, and I want to – it was in the Philippines or Sierra Leone in Africa. I don't remember where. I, I really don't. I just remember the story. But a truck hit a fuel truck, and it caused the fuel truck to flip over, and it was leaking fuel. And drivers, car drivers, taxi drivers, all that were jumping out and filling up containers with fuel and people around the neighborhood was seeing this fuel and they were all coming over and trying to fill up as many containers as they could with this fuel because it was like free fuel and the truck exploded. And it killed 90 some odd people something like that. I I think it was 93 something and it injured dozens and dozens of others. Uh, Just a a major tragedy. I, I saw that. I just shook my head for the for the tragic loss but you know yeah. free fuel people couldn't pass up the That's opportunity uh, yep. yeah but, uh, did you hear about that
0: i did not uh i no, it was, uh, i can just it yeah but I can you know, just
1: hmm. last week but it, it was it was in it, it was in a place where you know they the, the fuel is at a premium, so therefore, obviously, they would want the fuel, and they figured free fuel, and they were, you know, taxi drivers yep. stopped to get gas for the car and stuff like that, and and it exploded, and uh, boy, what a wow. tragedy, what a tragedy. So, uh, yeah, just talking about this truck turning over here with the wine in it, that is a tragedy, but nothing like the one where it took lives, so... But, again, it brings a tear to your eye when you see wine shattered all over the road and all the glasses and everything. And we are done for another week. Give a veteran a hug. Always. You don't have to do it just on Veterans Day. Thank him for his service. If you are a veteran and someone thanks you, thank them for their support. And uh, let's see. Is there anything else I want on this here? Uh, New Zealand wines in high demand despite extreme shortages. And there are some extreme shortages because of bottles. Bottles are not going out. A lot of wineries are wondering how they're going to bottle their wine. Because there is a shortage of bottles. There is a shortage of corks not because there's not enough corks, it's because of the transportation is not getting them to the places. Same thing with bottles. Mm-hmm. Bottles are stuck on ships and they're not getting here. And uh, the ones from Mexico are in high demand and they're not able to keep up with the, with the demand coming out of Mexico. So, uh, but New Zealand is... Mm-hmm got a high demand now but not enough being bottled fast enough and uh, capsule free yeah we don't need a capsule Uh, so okay that's it for another week I don't think next week we don't have a guest but uh, the Week after is Thanksgiving, so we will be here next week, and then the following week we won't. Then we've got a couple guests coming up in December, maybe maybe right. more. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm always working, trying to find more guests for us because it's always fun to talk to people and what they mm-hmm. have to say. And um, so,
0: just in case if you're going through our archives, you want to go back to um what uh Ron was referencing earlier with uh Anthony Zhang of Vinovest mm-hmm. we uh talked to him on the show on March the 18th so if you go back to Is March sure? the 18th yes um okay. that was when he was on so do a quick scan or just uh, put in the search box you know Vinovest or something to that effect and it should uh pop up for you so um, that was a good interview. Very interesting. It was. He, um, he told check us it out about investing and all
1: that. That was <laughs> yeah. fun.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, expensive, but yes, it is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm and, like uh, I say I don't. I don't have is, the money invested. Return, in. so. yeah. 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 But it is yeah. good return the, if you uh, got the money. Yeah. 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 Invest. you know that. Invest. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> We will uh, close out uh, the show for tonight for November 11th, and we'll return next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, which is the 18th of November. So uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, have a great weekend. Uh, be safe, and uh, have a great week ahead, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks a lot. Thank you. i run the audio here if I can remember how to do it. There we go. I think this tonight's broadcast oh, of All About, about wine. wine. I forgot Did my words, Ron. <laughs> For show information, uh, links to All About wine, wine on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> or to be a guest <laughs> on the show, guest. visit the show website <laughs> at www.allaboutwine.com. Www. Www. Archives shows are, are available, available for download on iTunes as a free or purchase page. That's That's right. Right. <laughs> no credit card necessary. <laughs> no credit no, card. No. No, no, card. No. Unless <laughs> you want to, you can't. <laughs> right. We'll right. see you next time. All, on All, All About Watch. Yeah.
1: There we go. Oh, I can't. I'm, I've, I've lost my... Mine? My... Oh. No, my <laughs> Block Talk Radio page disappeared. Let me go back here and pull it back up. There we go. Okay. Why did that hmm. disappear?
0: That's strange. Oh, oh your, well. your browser window or something? Yeah, my yeah. window
1: was closed. I hmm. it, it wasn't there.
0: Oh, well. Not good. Uh, okay. Oh, wait a minute. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Melina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Melina. Visit meetmolina.ca.com. Let's talk today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A whoohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five. But if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void for prohibited by loss. terms and conditions. 18 plus.